I want to use the image of a field or a vineyard uh, to think about the message for today. But sometimes I've talked about or used our building, the walls in our building or neighborhood uh, to talk about uh, different elements of our faith. And today I want us to think of this church uh, space as a vineyard, as a field, and also outside the church, you know, maybe our church property around that it's a vineyard, uh, that it's a field, and also what it means for our own hearts and lives uh, to be a vineyard in a field. I love this uh, passage from Leviticus. Uh, Israel is sort of getting their uh, rule of life uh, together, what it means for them to live in a community uh, together. And Leviticus has all sorts of laws that just go on and on and on. You think, you know, good Lord, is, is all this really necessary? And a lot of it is out of our context and out of date today. But there's parts and passages like this one that just sort of transcend the time and the context uh, that, that we're in. Uh, God says through Moses that your vineyard your harvest, uh, leave the edges of the field uh, unharvested. Don't, don't harvest the whole field or whatever falls to the ground. Don't pick that up and use it and sell it. Leave it uh, for those who need it, for those who are poor and for those who are aliens in your midst. The same with the vineyard. Don't take all of the grapes, shake the vineyard, take what comes down, but the rest leave for the poor and the alien. And one of the translations for the word alien is foreigner, um, which I think another way it's translated is, is stranger. Uh, so someone who is strange to us or different than us. I think that's sort of at the heart of what we're talking today about diversity. That one of St. Aidan's core values is diversity. And what does it mean to welcome the stranger uh, into our midst? And if we thought about St. Aidan's as a vineyard or a field, we would think about in this uh, illustration or this reality that, that God tells uh, the Israelites to do that around the, the edges of the property, uh, that we wouldn't harvest uh, those crops on the very edge, that we would leave uh, that food and that sustenance for people in the neighborhood, that we don't need to take all for ourselves, but we can share it uh, with those around us. At St. Aidan's, we do a number of ministries for people outside of the church. And I'm always emphatic that it's not just about what these ministries return to us as a church. It's not just about getting bums in the seats and money in the offering plate. We do these things to reach out to the world, to strangers, because that is the way of God, because that is the way of Christ. That we don't, we do with our right hand, uh, and don't do it to be seen, don't do it to be recognized, don't do it to get something in return. We do it because that's God's heart, 
That's what God has done. It's constantly reaching out to the stranger and the alien and the poor in our midst. What does it mean for us to continue to do that as a church? Because one of the challenges, it's nice to think about that as an idea or a program, but could you imagine if we had a garden uh, around the edges of the building and we said the community is welcome to harvest the edges of it. It's a nice idea, but there'd be all sorts of problems. Uh, animals would probably wreak havoc. People would steal, people would trample, people would trespass, they'd abuse the privilege of sharing our crops. And so the temptation as God's people is to say, well, we're, gonna, we're not gonna do that anymore. It's too inconvenient for us. Uh, we're not gonna open our doors in that way because things go wrong when we do that. And so we turn inward and we lose sight of God's mission. The other element of the vineyard is the internal life of the church. Uh, that adversity that is in the pews here, that is in our community, those who are seekers in our midst, those who are questioning, who are skeptics, who are Christians or longtime church members, uh, that we're all in different places in our faith. And one of the elements of diversity that came out of our visioning day was saying that we all connect with God in different ways. Uh, that there's not just one style of music or one style of service or, uh, you know, and that was the problem that was happening in Corinth in our reading. That people were starting to call themselves the follower of Paul or Apollos. Apollos. They were starting to follow the Christian leaders as sort of their leaders instead of Jesus. It's almost like the, the pastors were becoming celebrities uh, that people were ascribing to. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is your leader. It's not your diversity that unites you. It's Christ who unites you. And because it's Jesus who unites you, you can learn to appreciate the diversity that is amongst you in your midst. Throughout this series, we've been doing interviews uh, with members of our community. And this morning at 8.30, we interviewed uh, Kat, uh, who couldn't be here at 10.30. Uh, but Kat's been a member of the 8.30 community for about a year. And she really loves and appreciates that we have a service that's quieter, that's meditative, that's contemplative. For her spiritual life, that's something that suits her more so than this service might. So she appreciates the diversity uh, here at St. Aidan's. But Kat also shared about her personal life and her family life. Uh, she's a gay mom who's adopted as a Caucasian woman, a black child with special needs. Her wife uh, is nominally Jewish, and she's been a Christian for many years. And it's been very challenging for her to find her way uh, within general society, within the church. And so it's really important as a faith community, 
that we can welcome anyone as a church, that we can include anyone, no matter our race, uh, what our faith looks like, what age we are, what our sexual orientation is, uh, what beliefs we have, that all are welcome in the house of God. And that Jesus lived that inclusive life uh, of all people. And it's a real blessing. Kat is a blessing to our community. I'm so thankful she's a part of it. And that she felt comfortable enough to share this part of her life uh, with the 830 community and with all of us. Uh, and to know that Jesus welcomes all uh, in his name. And that you could see the thread in Kat's life that God... Uh, her journey with God began when she was six years old uh, in a house with uh, two parents who were atheists that for some reason she decided to walk to church uh, every Sunday because she was drawn to the person of Jesus, because she was drawn to God. And it was that God who's carried her through her whole life and uh, uh, journeyed with her to this present day into our own community. The last thing I want to talk about is our own hearts and lives and minds. Uh, that when we meet people who are different than us, um, maybe people that we don't like or we don't understand, uh, that maybe even we hate like our enemies, um, there's things that go on inside of us. Uh, there are emotions and feelings and thoughts and actions that make it hard to love our enemies, to make it hard to love those who persecute us. It's a part of being human uh, that in some ways we're unable to do that well. In some ways Jesus is being unfair. I'm not sure if you caught it or if it was the reading went that far, but his last verse after this whole sermon is, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And sometimes we think of Jesus as sort of light and fluffy and all about love, and that he's abolished the Old Testament and the law and the God of the past. But in some ways, Jesus actually makes it more difficult to be a person of faith. Some of the standards that he sets out here for loving our enemies is impossible. How do we love those who have hurt us in life. Jesus, do you not understand the pain that I felt because of those people? That feeling, that place, is actually a place that I think God leads us to. A place where we come to the end of ourselves, where we realize that we don't have what it takes to love others as God might love us. And that's the point where we invite God into our heart, into our life, to give us the strength to love people as he might. I think the key part of that that for me helps is that Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Because our initial reaction is one of frustration and anger and hurt and loathing and grief, because that's what we feel as humans. 
but can we move to a place of prayer to pray for those who've hurt us? Not so that we can be friends again, not so that we can hang out with them necessarily, uh, not so that we're going to spend more time with them, but simply can we pray for them and give their life to God. In some ways, Jesus' way is genius for world peace uh, and for peace on earth, for peace in our life. That if we learn to pray for our enemy, we might begin to have conversations and thoughts and feelings and ways forward where we think violence is the only answer. To close, I want to share a personal story, um, just a part of my life. It's not really a story, but I spent many summers um, as a camp counselor at a Christian camp uh, in North Ontario. And I spent most of that time, most six years, working in a special needs section. So it was uh, just a regular camp with mainstream campers. And we had a section in the camp with people who had physical or mental or emotional disabilities, limited in some way, whether it was through a wheelchair or having autism or behavioral problems or Down syndrome or any number of, of needs. Uh, that it was quite apparent these, these kids were different. Uh, they were different than the rest of the kids there. And it was quite uncomfortable for some campers, for some staff, that this person is making noises and actions that I don't understand, that make me feel uncomfortable. And we went through a process as a camp, as a leadership, to say, it's great we have a special needs section, special needs campers, but how do we move from having a section at camp for special needs campers to including those campers into the whole life uh, of our community? And so we went from having a special needs program to a program that was called an inclusion program that we try and find every way and opportunity to include these campers with everyday activities that everyone else was doing. It was a challenge to do that. But here's what I want to end with. As we learned how to include these campers who are different than us, there was so much joy uh, in being with them and seeing the interactions and learning from them as people and human beings, as opposed to just a diagnosis or a disability. To see what they would offer us in return of our care for them. And it was those places where diversity met inclusion and radical hospitality that God showed up, that God shows up in those places, he just does. When we greet the stranger, when we leave our crops available for people to glean from, when we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable, 
when we learn to pray for those who persecute us. I believe that God shows up in those moments and we begin to know God in a whole other way uh, than we might first have imagined. So I pray as you go from your week, from here, that as a community we might think about the vineyard around our church, the vineyard within our church and within our lives, uh, that we need all of those places as people of God, but we also need to welcome the stranger uh, in our midst and to welcome them in the name of Christ.